As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsline here. Allison Lucan there. Hello. And Tom Reed is over there. Port Columbus. Tom's taking one for the team here and going to Winnipeg where it's about 60 degrees colder than it is here. (laughs) Yes, it is. I'm already getting shivers. (laughs) Timber, your shivers. Uh, Let's get right to it. Our Temi Panarin's agent on Monday... Uh, informed the Blue Jackets that his client will not be negotiating a contract with the Blue Jackets until the offseason, which sounds okay enough until you kind of look at it from the club's perspective. That assures that the club will not have a guarantee that they can keep Artemi Panarin long-term. That assures the club that they are confronted with the idea of having to trade him at the trade deadline or risk losing him for nothing this summer as a free agent. So a month to go here, uh, four weeks literally from yesterday, is the trade deadline. Uh, and it's it's strange how nothing can change about a situation, really. And yet with that statement, everything changed. Because now I think the Blue Jackets were hoping that they could uh, convince young Mr. Panarin that this is a place he would like to hang his hat for the next uh, seven or eight years. And now all of that, the uh, persuading that has been attempted through these last few months uh, has not pushed him toward wanting to commit here long term. Um, We just spoke with uh, Yarmo Kekalainen this morning. Uh, I think the most revealing part, we have a story up on the athletic website here momentarily, 
the most revealing part to me was him saying uh, that this is going to be handled essentially like Jack Johnson and Matt Covert was handled last trade deadline, where this is what we need if you're the Blue Jackets to trade Artemi Panarin today. And if they don't get it, they're not going to trade him. If they get it, they will trade him. So in a sense, the NHL marketplace will decide whether Panarin stays here or goes. Let's just quickly go around the horn here with thoughts on on what this, this these last 12 hours have meant or 24 hours have meant for the Blue Jackets. Is I don't think there's this is a surprise to any of us necessarily, but it's still it's sort of is an eye opener uh, because it's starting to become clear where this is going. Tom, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you you encapsulated it well. I, I don't think it's a surprise, but still, when it when the, when it finally hits, that uh, he's basically saying uh, I'm not going to sign here. Uh, and I, I heard Yarmo saying they look forward to negotiate, maybe trying to be pitching in the summer, but right. uh, he's not coming. He's not going to play here. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's just nothing has changed from the time that he said this in the summer. Uh, he's been a very good citizen about it. He's played well, played hard, uh, not been a distraction, but the Blue Jackets now are faced with the same issue that they were uh, back in July of, of last year or August or whenever it was. Right. Um, and, uh, and now you're probably dealing with less teams. You're only dealing with contenders, most likely. And, can, and, and if you're going to get something really good, probably contenders that think that they can sign him, maybe. Um uh, that said, I, it's, I still think it's you take if, if there's a first round draft pick and a prospect in there. Uh, I, I, I just don't know how you turn it down. Yeah. Allison, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's I bless everyone who, who still says, you know, nothing's changed and maybe he still changes his mind. I, they must have all had much better dating histories than I had um, in terms of reading tea leaves here. But uh you know, it, it's it's a disappointment. I, I was one of those people who thought that maybe being back around the team and, and having a deadline such as this one might have had him see a, a something different. Um, I'll be honest. I mean, this is the player's right, and, and I afford him everything he's done to earn that, and he should exercise it. I would have loved to have seen, though, just come out and say yes or no. You know, I, yes. think, that, I think that this hemming and hawing is – is a little bit disingenuous, um, in my opinion. And, and I think it would have just been perhaps a little bit more respectable to say, we've loved our time here. We enjoy this team. We're going to play out the season as best as we can, but we're going to be considering other offers come July 1st. Right. Yeah. Instead of this, not right now, we'll still do it later. Right. This seems to be the way around the league though. And frankly, the, the players in the room, like, Management and the coaches have said, no one's talking about this. And the players have said, okay. But I wonder how something like this is is received in the room. And these guys are very careful not to crush their teammates uh, based upon financial decisions, contracts, this sort of thing. Um, but I have to think there are a few guys in the room that are at least disappointed, maybe more than disappointed, perturbed. And maybe even a little bit more than that, that here's a guy who's like, yeah, it's good enough for now. Right. And maybe would take exception to that. Tom, do you where you where do you come in on this? I'm not I'm not sure I I buy that everything's I think they're very professional. And they will probably be fine with it. But I have to think there's some disappointed teammates in there. 
<laughs> yeah, it would it would be it would be going against all of what we know about human nature, right? Um, especially some of the young guys who have signed. No, well, not necessarily young guys, but some of the guys like I, I think of a Cam Atkinson, right? Uh, and I think of a Seth Jones who you know signed long term here. Now Seth didn't you know know at the time that Panarin was going to be here when he signed, but you know he probably thinks this is you know I'm here for foreseeable future. Cam certainly is. And these guys probably would have loved to have this guy. And yeah, I think it, disappointment disappointment is too strong at all. I think there's a lot of probably disappointed guys. Now, how many guys are just absolutely pissed off? I don't know. I think, again, I think Panarin has never, to his credit, has never led them on. Uh, now, you remember last year around this time, I think John Tavares was like, oh, no, no, don't trade me. You know, I think Tavares was a little bit more of, yeah, for I, sure. I, he, he gave the Islanders more hope uh, than Panarin. Yeah. Never come right. out dead. I, I, I really think I might say, I think Aaron and I, you and I talked about this this morning. The closest thing he's done even to remotely say that was just a little picture he took with the vodka sign. Um, that's right. And that was just more just being nice and acknowledging it. But, you know, he's I don't think he's ever led the team on. But, yeah, of course, guys are disappointed because they know how good he is and know how. You know, if he would stay here for seven or eight years, that's the kind of guy that helps bring in other guys to say, I want to be part of that team. And let's be honest, there's probably one or two guys that this team may have wanted to sign in the offseason that said, when that news of Panarin broke, mm, I don't know about that. I'm not sure if I want to want to stay there. Yeah. Al, so let me, let me ask you this, because I was driving to the rink today thinking, if you're the Blue Jackets, like, and, and you have this commodity that is going to expire February 21st in terms of a tradable asset and who would expire immediately in terms of a tradable asset. If he suffers a significant injury, does any, does any part of you think maybe he should be held out of these games if, if they're going to trade him or is that, is that only if a trade is pending? Yeah, I tend to lean a little bit towards the latter. Um, the the only time that Yarmo was a little bit lighthearted today was when he he joked. Well, he wasn't joking, but he he smiled when he said he always returns phone calls, even if he can only take one sure. at a time. And and you know he said his phone was ringing off the hook today for for a variety of things. Um, right. But I you know you have to think that this is when those conversations start to get serious. And I think he he's going to have a read on on what the market at least looks like to start. And to your point, if it's serious, if there are viable offers that are in the ballpark and might be able to be narrowed down to what the Jackets want, yeah, I think you have to, to worry about the health of the yeah. player and protect it. I, I, right now might be a little early, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see it, if, if talks start to get serious. Yeah, now, so this team headed into the playoffs last year, and I think people gave them a real shot against Washington in the first round. I do, especially after they went up 2-0. I don't know that I don't know that they create the same feeling with with people this year. I, and it, what the people think, I know, doesn't matter. How good they really are is what matters. But I and I appreciate the Jack Johnson approach. I think that was wise. I know Jack Johnson and company did not appreciate him being kept here as a depth defenseman that rarely played and didn't play at all in the playoffs. But I I, I like the approach. No no a a veteran seventh defenseman is worth more to us if we go on a long playoff run 
than a second round draft pick. We're not moving him for less than a first. That makes perfect sense to me. Don't know what the offers were for Calvert were. I don't know what the the where the bar was set for Calvert, but that approach I think is a sound approach because it allows you to to make a well thought out rational decision, and you don't just end up taking the best offer. And Yarmo basically said today they're not just going to take the best offer for bread and move on; that they're going to handle it the same way. I don't know what that bar is. He wouldn't say. Obviously, he's not going to say. My hunch is that it has something to do with immediate help for for him. But Yarmo also went on to say, you know, if you're talking about, to Tom's point earlier, if you're talking about trading him to contenders, you're not going to get immediate help back because they're not adding rentals to swap out players. They're adding to add. They're adding to bulk up where they're at. My question is, and I think we've gone over this before, if you're the Blue Jackets, how much do you have to get for Panarin to trade him now versus risk losing him for nothing? In other words, as a top prospect, and they grade all these guys in many different numbers and levels, as a top prospect in a first-round pick enough to say, go, we'll do it? Or do you take the best offer because you don't think this team has a chance, even as good as, even as strong as last year's chance? I don't know which one of you wants to bat that one around, but go for it. Well, I think one of the things that's going to be interesting, and I, you'll probably be writing about this, or one of us will be writing about this, is this is a um, kind of a crowded house year of UFO. <laughs> Correct. And forwards in general, but mostly, you know, wingers, uh, Panarin. So there may be teams out there that say, you know what, we'd, I'd love to have Artemi Panarin, but if Wayne Simmons is available, or so I'm just throwing his name out there, but what if Jeff Skinner becomes available? Right. You know what, that's a pretty good consolation uh, that where I don't have to give up a first-rounder and a top prospect. Yep. So they may run into a thing where if the market gets a little bit diluted, and then it become, then it really becomes a question are we really going to just take a first rounder and just a middling prospect? I don't know. Again, that's why I'm okay with waiting to see what happens and what happens with players. If teams all of a sudden lose a, a, a big, big player as we go, as we go along toward the, you know, less than a month left, but uh, we'll just wait and see. Now, but if he, but again, if he has a bar and someone meets it, then by all means, I, I think make the move. Allison, this being a buyer's market, do you let the buyer's market adjust where, where your bar is for Panarin in terms of what you have to get in order to, to trade him? Or do you set that bar totally without without any respect to what the market is, just pure value for the player? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you have to do the latter. I mean, that's... That's a pretty standard negotiating tactic. And in this sense, I think I think you have to. If, if you've got something this valuable, you know, we always say, you know, don't sell low, sell high. And if they can't get what they need to wow. continue the trajectory of this organization in exchange for Panarin, then I think what you do is, as we've talked about a million times, is you look at what you are getting in return for Panarin is $10 million in cap space. And yeah. you are using that to make moves um, to, again, continue to keep the team on the trajectory 
that they need to stay on. Because as Tom said, you know, all of this too is even if they get a first round pick, it is more than fair to say we're talking about a first round pick that is at least in the bottom half of the first round, if not the bottom third or, or more. And, and by all accounts, this isn't a super, super deep draft. So we're not talking about first rounders like Zach Wierenski and Pierre-Luc Dubois right. per se. Um, so, yeah, if you, you cannot adjust your price. Now, you can wiggle it, but if there, there can be no significant adjustment, in my opinion. Yeah, Let, let's look at, at it through this spectrum, too, because I, I think most people from the outside looking in would say pretty impressive that they've had all of this stuff going on all year. Bobrovsky, Panarin, and this team has not had one of those cavernous falls that a lot of teams have suffered in similar situations. In fact, they've hung in there pretty damn well most of the season. They could play better. Absolutely. But they have not been a, a total chaotic mess, as I think they easily could have been. It's different now, though. And we're the, the calendar flips to February. The trade deadline is starting to get um, is, is, is not too far on the horizon. You can see it from here now. Um, and things always get weird in February for every team, even when there's not a lot of guys at risk of moving. Um, do, you, do you suspect, Tom? that this team is going to continue to hold it together? Uh, or do you think there's going to be some flare-ups and, and some of the stuff that I think we've been expecting all along? Do you suspect that this next month is going to be a rather challenging month for the Blue Jackets, or do you think they can sail through still waters? I think they can, I think they can keep it together. I think Tortorella has, and their leadership group has done a really good job to this point. Uh, it did, you know, obviously depends on what, ends up happening if, if the guys gets ends up moving but I think they've they've, they've held it together this this far um, obviously once you lose Panarin then that becomes a big issue but I think it becomes extremely important um, um, I think the, it's, it's well Tortorella will be looking at it just day to day you guys know how how this is I don't know how he was yeah. anymore but he you know he doesn't want to get sucked into the talk in the future but you think a couple of things like down the road here. Number one, let's look at it from the outsider's perspective. If this team falls apart, if you're a free agent in the summer and looking at Columbus's situation, something that you want to jump into if you were thinking of maybe coming here. And number two, you start to wonder about some of the young players that are already here that are coming up to RFAs that you know could possibly say, God, this 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 situation is seems to be deteriorating. Yeah. Right and that's you don't want that. So I think even if you if they can find a way to finish strong, make the playoffs, I think it said it shows you something about the team. It says something about the organization that it's been showing all year I, that, that I think would be very strong. Look, they can't they they got blindsided by this whole thing back in July. Yeah. And they, you know, so they've been dealing with this all year. And if you get to the playoffs with this team, with all this stuff hanging over and, and without Panarin in the lineup. I, I think that's a, a, a real good mark for the team. And I think that's still possible. Yeah, Allison, can they keep it together? I think that there, there could be a couple blips um, just because of the human nature side of all of this. But I think, and I, I tweeted something along this line uh, this morning. I think that everything that Torts gets picked on for conflict, brutal honesty, um, those are actually, in my opinion, going to be the safety valves. For this team, because I think they're 
I think there might be waves of reaction. And, and we may never see this. We may never even catch a sniff of this. But the culture that he's created where you say what you think and you say it with brutal honesty and you're not afraid to have some conflict to get through things is what's going to allow them to survive the blips that happen. Yeah. I agree. I mean, we just saw that. We just saw that with the Bobrovsky suspension, right? Yep. Uh, he just he rallied the troops and they had a couple of big wins. Now, this is obviously going to be after something over a longer stretch. But uh, we wrote about this today, that this is something that Tortorella seems to thrive in these type of situation where he can bring a team together. And again, he's got a veteran leadership group. Uh, you know, Cam's becoming a little bit more of a leader. Seth Jones is a leader. We, I think we all agree that Felino's a good captain for this kind of situation. I think they can hold it together. Now, again, if they lose Panarin, it's a huge loss. It's a huge loss offensively. You can skate and work and be together all you want, but if you're not scoring goals, that becomes an issue. But I still think they can do it. Yeah. Well, it's certainly interesting times in, in Blue Jackets land. Uh, Buffalo in town. Oh, there's a game tonight. Guys. <laughs> a big one. A big one, yeah. really. Think they, about play it. The, they play the Buffaloes tonight. Um, Seth Jones missed practice earlier in the week. He will be back tonight. Boone Jenner practiced yesterday. Uh, actually, it was a great little scene. There's a, a young kid by the three or four years old by at the bottom of the bleachers scream, or shouting out every player's name as they came onto the ice. And Boone, well, most of the guys turned around and waved him. Boone stopped and had a nice long conversation with the kid who one of them said, tell, tell Seth, I said, the kid said, tell Seth, I said, hi. And I think Boone delivered the message. It was a nice little touch. But somehow Boone is injured. Uh, something flared up after that practice. I don't know, off-ice workouts, whatever. Uh, so he is out tonight. I don't know if it's a long-term situation, but Mark Letestu, the old uh, the old comfortable hand here with the Blue Jackets, has been recalled from Cleveland. Don't know if he is in tonight. I think there's a chance of that. Uh, but this morning they had Sedlak skating on what would be the third line between uh, Duclair and Bjorkstrand. Correct. So they've got Wenberg up with Felino and Anderson. Kind of an old look, but a new look yet still. Uh, this season, the first line is still intact with Panarin, Dubois, and Atkinson. And then the fourth line had Marcus Hanekainen, who's back after being injured uh, at the end of the of the break, or before the start of the break. He is back with uh, Riley Nash and Brandon Dubinsky. Uh, and then on the back end, as we said, Jones is playing with Borensky. Uh, so everything's good to go there. Sergei Bobrovsky, kind of the surprise starter, uh, seems weird to say, but after Kekala, or, uh, Corpusalo has been in uh, his net during practice the last two days. So uh, this has been all Panarin all the time here. It's going to be all it's going to be all Bob and, and bread for the next month. Just a warning, people, um, as we work our way to the NHL trade deadline. And Yarmo Kekalainen uh, decides what he can do. I just, I can't get my arms around the idea of this, this front office group, which has been so patient, uh, so methodical, professionally so, in building this team. They've resisted trading first-round draft picks for short-term help. Uh, they have resisted clearing out prospects for rental players. They have taken the long view here. It is hard for me to imagine uh, one or both of those. They don't have control over Bob's situation quite like they do Panarin, but letting both of those guys go 
without any uh, return as free agents in the summer. Just don't see that happening. But we'll continue to monitor monitor it. Uh, anything else you'd like to add, Mr. Tomry? Do you have mittens? Do you have gloves? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No man should be afraid of wearing mittens in this weather up there. No, I'm I, I'm hopefully hopefully I'm I'm packed and ready to go. So I'm just sitting here. We have the flight delay. So oh, off and running. Off and running. Um, what is the what's the low in, in Winnipeg tonight? I think I saw minus. 2628. Hold oh on. I was just and that's the, little, that's the air temp. That's the air temp. It's a little chilly tonight in Winnie. I I'm faced a minus. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead, Porty. I faced a minus 43 at Edmonton one time. And I remember walking out of the rink, and the legendary Jim Atheson, uh, as we're walking toward the door, says, Button your coat up there. And I'm like, Oh, I'm okay, Maddie. I'm just parked right here. He stops before he lets me open the door and says, button your coat like i was a five-year-old <laughs> i buttoned my coat and the door opened up and I went oh my god i, I almost fell over yeah the uh, low tonight when i get there is um apparently the low today in winnipeg will be minus 34 minus 34 so you're not smoking a stogie on the freaking loading ramp of the hotel uh, that is a cor- that is correct <laughs> All right, we'll enjoy that. Allison, stay warm where you're at. We'll see oh. you tonight at the uh, hockey rink. Tom, enjoy Winnipeg. Yes. And uh, we will uh, – thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you Friday for sure. Keep checking out theathletic.com. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.